Geekscape is we got a brand new Geekscape coming up. Just want to remind you guys to look us up on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Just search for Geekscape. You'll find us. And, of course, we're at geekscape.net. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Jonathan London and email me at Jonathan at geekscape.net. Buckle up. Here's a brand new episode. Geekscape. Uh, my guest this week is somebody who I've wanted to have on the show for a while. He's a musician, an activist, and a record label owner. His name is Mike Park, and I've been a fan of Mike's for over a decade, really. I mean, since the Skinking Pickle, Chinkies, and Bruce Lee Band stuff all started coming out. Um, you know, I <laughs> that's guess more than a decade. That's more than a decade. I mean, I, I guess I discovered. Uh, I guess I discovered you through, of course, like Les and Jake, which you helped me discover because you put out their first album. That is correct. Right? So I remember it was 95, 96, and we would just drive around uh, in Austin where I grew up listening to Pezcor over wow. and over and over, over <laughs> and over again. You know, And now you meet Les and Jake fans who's, you know, a lot of them, their favorite albums or their first albums were Losing Streak, you know, the first major label album one. Right. Uh, and Losing Streak's great, but Pezcor for me just had that raw... We recorded it in a basement or a you know cheap recording studio somewhere Definitely. and put it out. Um, and you're the guy who put that album out. Th- that album was first put out on Dill. Yeah, that was uh, <clears throat> before Asian Man Records. Dill was a collective amongst the members of Skank and Pickle, hence the name Dill Records. We thought it was witty. And Lesson Jake, uh, that was one of our first releases, non-Skank and Pickle releases. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what made you start wanting to put out uh, albums? Because you're, you're a musician, but uh, what made you think, hey, I'll, I'll record, I'll, record I'll, I'll distribute, I'll be a record label as well? well it, was a, it was an ideal situation if you're in a band, in a touring band. We got, we got to go see all these great local bands opening for us. And you're like, a lot of these bands are just amazing. I'm like, man, none of them had any distribution. No one knew them out of their own hometown. So I thought, well, we, should, we were putting out our own records, so... That well, why don't we start putting out other bands' records too? Really? Yeah. <laughs> now, um, what were some of those early bands, and how old are you? Because because we've got Geekscapists who are listening to the show, and they're in their uh, teens or early twenties, and you know they're trying to find their way, figure out what they're going to be doing, and follow right. their passions. But you're somebody who literally followed your passion from day one. Yeah, I, you know, I, I Korean Americans. So, if they're <laughs> if you're as other Asian American kids realize. I mean, it's hard. Your parents are super strict. The expectations of going to college, becoming a doctor or an engineer, um, that was my whole story uh, growing up. And then so telling my parents, uh, hey, I'm going to be a music major, and then dropping out of college and saying, hey, I'm going to go tour the United States making peanuts. You know, I think the first couple tours, we were getting paid $5 a day. That was our salary. Wow. And so uh, it it definitely wasn't... um, an easy direction to go towards. And your parents were strict? How, how many siblings did you have? Uh, just, I have one older sister. Uh-huh. And what did she end up doing? She went to college <laughs> <laughs> and then got married. Mm-hmm. 
So, but for you as the as the boy in the yeah. family, what what was your expectation? Expectation was just to be successful, and so they can tell their friends that, oh yeah, my son's going to Stanford right now, and my son is he's going to be an engineer. Were you angry? No, I wasn't angry. Were you, were I was you, just. Did you feel it was just claustrophobic. Did you feel what, what kind of pressure? I mean, that's 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 a lot of pressure to put on a, on a sixteen, seventeen year old kid. Sure, but that's just it was expected ever since I was a young kid. So um, it was something where I just got to rebel. It was actually I, I became friends with Margaret Cho at the time, and she was starting to blow up. And I remember asking her, "What do you do?" And she's all, "It just got to rebel." And I'm like, <laughs> "Okay," and so I did. It's like I'm going. I remember. Leaving, my mom crying, going, oh, like when I first left for like a long tour. Mm-hmm. In the, it was skinking for, pickle. Yeah, being gone for a couple months. And, and it finally, well, actually, they accept, the, the only way it was accepted is when somehow Korean media picked up on my story. And so I started getting covered in, on Korean television and in Korean newspapers. And their friends started calling, going, oh, we saw, we saw Mike on TV or we read about him in the newspaper. And then they felt like, Oh wow, this is kind of cool. <laughs> but it was like a status thing. I'll say it's Korean. The Korean community, at least my mom's generation, it feels. I feel like it's all about gossip and mm-hmm. bragging about their kids. It's a Jewish community. <laughs> it's it's a Hispanic. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. it sounds like a, like a Hispanic community, a Jewish community. Like, a, a, like what is it? Is it a minority thing to, to have to I don't, establish I don't yourself in, in like a bigger world or what? I have no idea, but at least with amongst my mom's clique of friends, that was the thing. So, was music rebellion or was it just release? Or it, was, it was just about, fun. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was fun. I just enjoyed. I enjoyed playing music. I liked. Especially ska, you know, we, we the group of uh, musicians in Skank and Pickle, we all grew up in the era of right after the first wave of the specials, Madness, English Beat, Bad Manners, that was just dying down. So it's kind of, there's a lull in pop, in it being in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And then Fishbone came out from L.A. And then I, seeing Fishbone live, in, I believe it was in 1986, that changed my life. Really? It, it was the best live even to this day, the best live band I'd ever seen in my life. And it made me want to play in a band. You're like, that's what I'll do. Yeah. Right there. That's right there. Seeing Fishbone made me want to play music. And do you regret it? You no, can't. I love it. I mean, it. you love it's it. Well, what else would you be doing? That's what I, the scary thing is, if I think about that, it's like, what if I didn't do music? Right. If I had to have a, if I had to have a nine to five job, I don't think I can do it. Right. I have such a short attention span as it is. Um, when you and I first met was a couple of years ago. You uh, you were in you were in you, you played a show in San Pedro, but before it you had a couple hours, and I asked your label if we could shoot a video for you. Uh-huh. Like, oh man, like let's shoot a video, and and they were like, well, we don't really have a budget. And I was like, no, 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 it doesn't matter. We'll literally sit him down in an apartment, and on a skateboard dolly, go back and forth, and then you know, Mike, if Mike's got any of this Super Eight footage of growing up, we'll, we'll put it in there, and we made the video for Asian Prodigy. Yeah, do you remember that? It and came it, out great. It literally cost fifty three dollars, I think. That's fifty three dollars <laughs> too much. <laughs> no, it was, it, you know what? Um, but no, I thought that came out great. And now, that. now that I'm uh, like, I have a class that they designed for me over at the Art Institute in uh-huh. Hollywood, and it was because students knew that I was doing that. I, I I liked doing music videos and had a bunch of music videos that I'd done, and so they asked, "Hey, can you know London teach us a music video class?" And one of the cl- one of the one of the ones I like to show is 
yours because I think it, it turned out great and it was $53. It was something that a student could easily just go out and do if he knows right. a really good musician or somebody just had a good presence and a DP that, that can shoot something as nicely as Todd shot, shot ours. Um, you know, th there were a couple of years where I hadn't seen that video, and then recently I just started watching it again, and I was really happy with it. Yeah, it's a really <laughs> a good it's, video. It's a good video for sure. And it's absolutely about what you're what you're talking about is yeah, is yeah, the yeah. expectations <laughs> that you're going to grow up and be some Asian prodigy. Right. Not that you're not smart, but you're not going to fall into the line of being an engineer. Sure. You know what I mean? Being a, a computer scientist. <laughs> you know. Um, do, do you still play that song live? Uh, I. I do sometimes. I just haven't played many shows in the last few years, but uh, yeah, sure. Because that's the big change that we—that's <laughs> the big change that's happened in your life since uh, since you and I have known each other. Is you had kids, right? And time flies so fast. <laughs> I have two kids, uh, age ages five and three. I have a daughter and a son. Wow. So yeah, life changes. And knowing the pressures that you had put upon you by your parents, oh, uh, they're gonna have a cakewalk. Oh, really? It's just going to be music, music, music. Uh, and what's funny is uh, you just put out this year an album for your kids. I did. I, I, when my daughter was born, I found myself just making up little songs on guitar, trying to actually appease her, her crying as a, as a little baby. You know, something they'd be colicky and you know just going these crying rages and I found that playing music would soothe her mm -hmm. so I'd just make up these little songs and as she grew older I kept making up songs and making up lyrics on the spot and she would remember the lyrics and I just I thought well you know I should actually try to write down some lyrics put together some songs and put out a children's record and I have my own record label so it's I don't need to find a You're label. Like one-stop shop. Uh, another musician that I shot a video for, Matt Pryor, did the same thing. Oh, yeah. Matt Pryor did a, what was the name of that? Uh, I just remember when, when we shot the video for um, New Amsterdam, so he, mm -hmm. gave, he gave me this thing called The Terrible Twos. It was a CD, and, mm -hmm. it, and it was all songs that he'd written for his kids. And we, when you wonder what happens to people who are ska punkers or punk rockers or, or, or heavy musicians in their you know, 20s and early 30s, this is what happens when they start having kids. I mean, have you seen, has, has writing that, those songs educated your solo stuff as well, that you, that, that's not for kids, has it, did you come to any, uh, from the process of, of putting Smile together, did it change how you looked at music in any way? No, it just, uh, it, it was, the, the only thing different with, with writing children's music and writing a song that is based on whatever everyday mm -hmm. thing you write about is just you got to keep it more well in my mind at least keep it more poppy is there like this, a purity to it you yeah focus and, and just try to and in my case with the kids music i tried to write something with maybe some educational value mm -hmm. or or just complete That's silliness. That's the father and you talking. Yeah. <laughs> or just complete silliness. <laughs> Make it fun. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you want to play a song like one yeah. of those songs for yeah, us? Yeah, sure, sure. All right. So the, the album's called Smile, and it's out now on Asian Man Records. Right. Okay, here we go. And the big dog goes woof woof, and the little cat goes meow meow, and the birds and the bees and the squirrels and the trees, yes, we all live at Animal Park. Yes, we all live at Animal Park. Did you fly here like a giant hawk, or swim here like a fish? 
It would be your magic wish And the birds and the bees and the squirrels and the trees Yes, we all live at Animal Park Yes, we all live at Animal Park And the fat pig goes oink oink And the donkey goes hee-haw And the birds and the bees and the squirrels and the trees Yes, we all live at Animal Park Yes, we all live at Animal Park Did you fly here like a giant hawk? Or swim here like a fish It would be your magic wish And the birds and the bees and the squirrels and the trees Yes, we all live at Animal Park 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 Then I would have the kids make animal noises If that's what's in the, on the album? It's me making animal noises But if I play <laughs> for a group of kids Then I'll say, no, make animal noises Have you done any schools or libraries? I did. A, I did do a, a library show, and mm-hmm. I did do a, a show at my my daughter's uh, nursery school. They must have loved that. Yeah, it was fun. You know, I love it because you can play anything and they'll dance. <laughs> yeah, um, and how's the album doing in comparison to the, to your Mike Park stuff? Like, like doing, the, the, it's the doing stuff? good. I think a lot of people without kids have bought it mm-hmm. because I think a lot of the, the teasers I put up online, people just like the song. So. Mm-hmm. I think whether you have a, you have children or not, at least in my mind, I think it's a really good record. Have, have the librarians learned about the album? Like, mm-hmm. like you know, the Librarian Association of America, or like uh, librarians who literally buy stuff to put into school libraries. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could sell a, a ton just there. I didn't even know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, only, the only reason I know about it, I, I I advised Vagrant to to see if they could pursue that for Matt, for Matt Pryor's album. Mm-hmm. But um, when Michael Moore was trying to make uh, Bowling for Column, uh, when he was trying to put out, oh, I forget which book it was, he was trying to put out a book and, and it was just being blocked because it was like post 9-11 and people just didn't want to hear Michael Moore uh-huh. talking about any problems in, in our society or in, in our politics. And he got the book to the Librarians Association and it's the only reason the book got published is because they said we're going to order this book for our libraries. And for, for something that has, you know, for a library which has a media center for kids, to go and listen. I mean, that's where I discovered like Tin Tin and a bunch of uh, stuff that that ended up turning into my love of comic books, which turned into my love of film. Um, it all kind of started in those like little reading areas in a library. It might not be a bad thing to pursue. Well, I'm definitely going to pursue it. Think about it. Like, <laughs> if I can right get there. my stuff in all the libraries, <laughs> think about it. Right. I would even I would even send it to them for free. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, you have fans. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could be the next Wiggles. Hey, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> I'd love to be a wiggle. <laughs> yeah, would your parents like that now? <laughs> <laughs> love it. <laughs> um, so your activism. Yes. How, how are with kids? Are you able, still able to do things like that? Because, like the plea for, for peace tour that you would put together with Hopeless mm-hmm. uh, every summer, was actually a big thing. In, in you know the late '90s, you had the uh, the tour to stop racism. Mm-hmm. What was that? What was it called? It was called Scott Against Racism. Scott Against Racism. Right. It was it was like Mu Three Thirty, Lesson Jake. Um, who else was on that tour? Because uh, I remember Meanies, seeing it. Blue Meanies, Five Iron Frenzy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> trying to remember. Kamuri. I went Japan. to see that tour when it played uh, at Vanderbilt in, oh, really? in North Philly. When okay. I was yeah, I was I was still a student in Philly, and uh, I was it was like my sophomore year, and I remember taking the train up to Vanderbilt. Uh, was it? Yeah, I guess it was Vanderbilt, and uh, and going to see this this show and just thinking it was crazy because it because mu330 is that's where i discovered mu330 and i discovered oh, nice. dan podhouse because you put out his solo album right. as well 
uh, and that was a great solo album. <laughs> um, and so that tour kind of segued into Plea for Peace, or what was it? Yeah, I just, um, we had, when I say we, it was just a group of friends. We had just been talking about the current state of the music industry. And at mm -hmm. the time, it was that the second uh, go-through of Woodstock where they're trying to oh, yeah. like mesh the ideas of... It was like Woodstock 99. Yeah, you know, the original ideas of Woodstock just lost in capitalism and... And then the show itself just ended up in riots and rapes and just carnage. So that I felt like, God. You know, I forgot about that. Yeah. That's, that, that a girl said that she was, a, a, like, accosted by the, you know, by the bathrooms at Woodstock 99. Yeah, there were, there were numerous um, filings of, of rape charges during that, that concert. And just, like, just the mentality of bands like Limp Bizkit and just the, that fuck shit up mentality just right who gives a shit i was just like god this has got to change and that's when we thought let's start plea for peace just really simple idea promote peace through music and that was a lot based on growing up in the bay area northern california and being being absorbed by the dead kennedy's rock against racism shows mm -hmm. at the mabuhe garden and just seeing that kind of underground um activism and just um spreading spreading ideas positive ideas through music and that was the genesis of plea for peace and what what's resulted to this day is we just um we've uh, opened up our first first youth center we've really become um more of an, an outlet a resource center for kids to go after school hang out at this at this little um center in stockton and be surrounded by people with common interests mm -hmm. uh, and stockton's well, a tough place like yeah. Stock stockton california is is hit by the financial crisis yeah, oh, pretty yeah. hard and <laughs> like that whole that whole stretch of california is is pretty you know ha has those those small towns that you don't really hear about because they're not san francisco they're not la mm. but they have pretty high crime rate yeah in stockton does stockton has a has a has a huge gang problem and um you know just it's just one of those financially uh, distraught cities but um it's it's now any kid uh, like after high school middle school can just go yeah, there anybody any adults go to if there's a good show <laughs> everyone you guys just, like you just have local touring bands coming yeah like uh like against me's played there Alpine really? trios played there um lawrence arms so we've had some big bands come through mm -hmm. those are huge a lot of me asking favors <laughs> for them to please <laughs> go to stockton it's not a it's not a, a ideal stop but those weren't always huge bands, and I remember when I worked in college radio again back in Philly. Uh, one of the first albums that we we used to used to send us albums to play on the college radio, and one of the first ones was God Damn It. Oh, nice! Uh, and then maybe I'll Catch Fire, the first two Alkaline Trio full lengths that mm -hmm. they put together, and those albums uh, were—I mean, we played the hell out of them. And then that summer, uh, Alkaline Trio was was playing on a tour with. I forget the band from D.C. they were on tour with. It was summer 99, and I emailed Matt Skiba. I think I may have emailed him through you and said, hey, I'm in New York. I want to come see you guys, and maybe if we can figure out a way to get you guys to record for the radio show. And they, we couldn't work, work it out, but I remember he, he let me come to their show at um, the Knitting Factory okay. in New York, and he was the nicest guy. And every interaction I've had with Matt Skiba since, is a, he's just one of the nicest guys. He's a, he's a sweet sweetheart. Mm -hmm. really? he, I mean, you have to feel great that you gave them a little, like, their start. 
Well, sure. I'm very, I'm very um, proud of being able to boast that I was the first label to put out Alkaline Trio. Mm-hmm. I'm very thankful. And now them. they're selling what they were like twelfth on the on the Billboard 200 or whatever when they when they had that last album come out. Yeah, I mean they're they're a great band and they've got such a devoted fan following. It's great to see and it's very exciting. And Mike's on tour. You know, he, he's in L.A. right now because he just played a show with Matt last night. Matt, Matt's doing, like, a solo thing. Right, just just three shows. San Francisco, L.A., San Diego tonight. Right. And then you got to get home to the kids. And then I take a 6, 6 a.m. flight back home. <laughs> so. Do you miss it? Do you miss touring? Do you miss being on the road that much? Or I don't, are you in a different place? I'm in a different place. Uh-huh. I, don't, I don't miss it at all. I'm, I'm done touring. <laughs> It's just I can't do it. There's no the only th- the only way I could see doing it is if I brought my entire family, mm-hmm. got an RV, and just did kids music. That's right. the only thing I could see myself enjoying for a long stint, um, just playing for kids. I don't like staying out late. I don't like playing in bars. Um, it's it's not my thing. Um, mm-hmm. I'd rather I'd love to play shows where it's like okay, so your set time is t- ten eight ten a.m. <laughs> You know, uh, Laura and I, my wife and I, were, were in Austin going to see a friend of mine's band um, two, three weeks ago. And when we were starving when we got out of there, and it was probably 1 o'clock. So mm-hmm. we, we went to a, like an all-night diner, and we're sitting there, and we thought, you know, like, they've got a happy hour. Why don't they have happy hour concerts? So people like you and I, who are done with work at 5, 6 o'clock, uh-huh. on their way home can just stop, watch a band play at 7 eight o'clock be home eat dinner you know yeah. watch the news and go to bed you know what do you i mean do you think that that would be something that could start i mean that would happen by now if that was anything that you could possibly make money on sure Cre- create a venue where you could have a band play at <laughs> six seven o'clock eight o'clock at night close up maybe start you know turn it you know maybe have a second show after that and yeah. send them home but i mean would you ever see something like that catching on you would love that i would love it it, it I think with bigger artists, it's it, if you're playing um, those bigger venues, those shows usually tend to go on earlier too. It's the mm-hmm. bar shows like the Whiskey Troubadour. You know, they're all generated on bar revenue. It's too so, exhausting. So it's it's about staying, keeping the doors open later. That's uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> gross. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, so I mean, this this uh, this kids things must be. Great for you. Yeah, I mean, you could possibly yeah. play shows at one o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, it'd be a dream. It would be a dream come true. And we, we're talking about doing it with a bunch of uh, friends, like uh-huh. Kepi from the Groovy Ghoulies. Another he, band that I discovered through you guys. He's going to put out a children's album. Um, Greg uh, from the Bouncing Souls and his wife Shanti, they're going to put out a children's album all on. Actually, I'm starting a side label mm-hmm. for just kids. F- yeah, called Fun Fun Records. Uh huh. So Greg and Shanti are going to put out one. Kepi's going to put out one. Dan Potass from MU30 is putting out one. And what we'd like to do is do like a two-week tour over the summer and just play various uh, nursery schools, mm-hmm. libraries, and just, just have fun. And the, the Groovy Ghoulies and the Bouncing Souls were two bands that played our college radio show. Oh, okay. And um, the Bouncing Souls were one of the first bands that I booked when I was doing DIY shows back in Austin, and we broke a, a window. And ended up only paying them thirty five dollars, and ah. uh, and now they're another band that, that's found some really awesome success. I yeah. just I just bought their entire live set from when they did the Troubadour. They did all eight albums oh, okay. over four nights at the Troubadour, ah. and they put it out. And you know, 
I'm like you. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to go out and watch this band in concert? No, <laughs> it's too late. You know, uh, I don't want to get pushed around. I don't want to find parking. I don't want to, I'll just order the whole thing. That's funny. And it was cool. They, they send you like a tour pass, like oh, a, nice. you know, and it's got a USB on it. <laughs> and you just stick the USB into your computer, and it's got all the MP3s from the entire Fortnite live That's show. Right. I think I read there. about that. I think I read about I'm that. I'm the guy who bought it. Awesome. And I listened to the, the hell out of it. I mean, it's either that or look for parking in West Hollywood, four nights straight. <laughs> pay $120 for tickets. You know, I'm, I'm buying for two now. Yeah. You know, I'm going to drag my wife to do this. Um, uh, w- one of my, uh, w- one of the people who work on the Geekscape site, Matt, uh, Matt Kelly, uh, does a show for us, but he is a huge Five Iron Frenzy fan. Okay. You put out that four-hour DVD. Did yes. you guys put that out? Yeah, we did. He won't stop making me try, like, he keeps trying to get me to watch it. <laughs> this four, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't, I knew the Five Iron uh-huh. Frenzy. Stuff through my, my friendship with the Real Big Fish guys and them touring together, but I I was I mean those those fans are lunatics. Yeah, the Five Iron Frenzy fans are rabid. Yes, they are. This DVD it must have gone crazy. It, it did really well, and it's four it, hours long. It's it's really <laughs> long, but the, I think the main part there's two discs. The main yeah. just feature documentary is is two hours, and it's actually very good, uh-huh. especially it was done by the singer, edited by the singer, and he he's not a He's not a professional editor. But it had the sincerity. Yeah. So I think it came across very well. It's just, um, it, it's a very interesting story, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, it did very well for us. And this is coming from, you know, we're a small label. Right. We're not in Best Buy. We're not in Target. We're, it's mail order, word of mouth, DIY, mm-hmm. mom and pop stores, the very few that exist. And, and that's it. You guys won't, you guys can't put stuff in Best Buy. Would you unless you pay yeah. it's, it's a game like it's basically product placement unless it's like an established title like the Beatles White Album mm-hmm. that is guaranteed to sell the stores the, the shelf space even for those stores is, is is costly for them so they just can't stock stuff is iTunes the same way iTunes that's where it's a level playing field uh-huh. you know you're you're, everyone is on iTunes. The only difference is getting that placement on, like the front page being mm-hmm. the download of the day. That stuff. Right. We don't. We don't get that. <laughs> <stuff>. <laughs> um, has uh, have you guys been able to? Because uh, I remember getting the the mail order is fun comps from you guys. Uh-huh. Mail order is still fun. Was the second yeah. one. Mail order for the masses was and, the third one. And that's where I discovered. You know some of these other bands that you that you had on there, um, Slow Gherkin. Uh huh. They I remember spending the night with them in Philadelphia in our radio station floor. Awesome. Um, but but you also kept some of the older bands that I loved from the Lookout days alive. Uh, the Queers. Uh, the Queers. Mm. That was the nicest thank you I've ever gotten from anybody for doing a video. Was you sent me the entire Queers co- uh, discography. Nice. I, I, I don't remember. I don't remember you, sending you, that. You but sent good. me the Queers and Screeching Weasel discography oh. that you were, that you had been putting out. Oh, okay. As a thank you for making that video, and it was the nicest unasked for gift I had ever received. And I'm just sitting here going, "Wait, are you kidding me? All these? I mean, I would have spent." <laughs> it was the nicest thing ever. Um, has it been hard? Because uh, you're running the label for profit, but, uh-huh. but money doesn't seem to be the the like kicking and scratch goal right well yeah you definitely i mean you, you got to make money especially with a family you got to support your family your family helps you run the label so yeah my mom helps me my wife helps me right um but uh it's fun you know i put out a lot of records for friends that i know won't sell and i'll probably lose money 
but you just that's just part of it i like i i'm not in it to like find the next big thing i'm in it to find bands that i like that i'd like to do well but i'm also there to help my friends Mm -hmm. and even i put out many records where i wasn't the biggest fan of the music but i liked the people so much that i i was willing to support it have you ever felt burned I have, but it's uh, it's you know I uh, I would never disclose. Of course, in of what, course. In what fashion? And I mean, but but being burned has it ever made you think maybe I, like the maybe I shouldn't be going at it like this? No, you know what I mean. No, I feel I feel like everything I've done in the music industry, I, I have no regrets, and uh, I feel like I've done it the right way, mm-hmm. and I'm excited about the way I've done things. So no regrets. <laughs> um, all right, play us another song. Do you okay. have another song in mind? Yeah, I'm going to do another kid song. Okay. This is you about, love these kid songs. Yeah, I love the kid song. This song's about apples. Take this apple and you eat it up. Throw the core away. Just make sure you eat one every single day. You can mash it into applesauce. Make a great surprise. Sprinkle on some cinnamon and bake it in a pie. And apples are my favorite fruit And we'll eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat all day Eat and eat and eat and eat, eat and eat all day You can cover it with caramel or candy apple red Just make sure you brush your teeth before you go to bed You can mash it into applesauce, make a great surprise Sprinkle on some cinnamon and bake it in a pie. And apples are my favorite fruits. And we'll eat and eat and eat and eat, eat and eat all day. Eat and eat and eat and eat, eat and eat all day. Eat and eat and eat and eat, eat and eat all day. Eat and eat all day. That's my daughter's favorite song. <laughs> I love, I love playing it because she sings along with it, and it's very. She fun. just starts cracking up. She cracks me up. Yeah, she, she doesn't crack up. I crack up mm-hmm. watching her, listening to her sing along with me. Do you think she'll become a musician? I don't know. I, I hope so. I think my son seems to be displaying more musician mm-hmm. traits. She seems to be the. Uh, the illustrator painter type mm-hmm. so um, you're all for it yeah she'll be making the album the album artwork yeah whatever she wants to do i mean if she, I, I hope i don't like i also hope i don't do the reverse and like force her to be artistic you gotta draw right you gotta paint <laughs> i want to go to stanford dad get away. no more no more lab tests <laughs> um the you know what uh, Matt asked me to ask you about the Five Iron Frenzy reunion. Uh huh. You're not a part of that though. They're gonna re-release their own album, right? They're, they're which is, which album. is smart because right. you know it's, it's it makes sense in this day and age. You really don't need a record label anymore. Right. Yeah, it's all artist centered. Um, yeah, so yeah, they did a, a Kickstarter which was hugely successful. It's crazy how yeah. successful that thing was. And they're gonna go for it. They're gonna you know reacquaint themselves with the old tunes and I'm sure they're going to do an awesome job and uh, hopefully I'll get to see them when, mm-hmm. if they come through California. We'll see what their touring schedule um, becomes. Do you, do you ever wonder when you see when you see bands that you've put out there that had successful sales numbers, do you ever wonder like why 
why you're still manning the ship. You know what I mean? Like, like, like when are you going to pop off? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Because you're well known, but these Billboard 200 or whatever these numbers, crazy numbers are, uh -huh. do you ever say, like, you know, where, where am I going to strike a chord? You know what I mean? Oh, no. I, I, I don't think you can. My, healthily, my, like, it's not healthy yeah. to think that well, way. Well, I've never, it's like, my, I mean, I'd love it. If I was able to become a successful musician in terms of being, um, being able to play bigger venues, mm -hmm. being able to uh, get national exposure through TV or different media outlets, I wouldn't complain. But at the same time, I'm not trying. And you can't change your message in order to get there. Sure. And, and you know, I realize, you know, I'm 42 years old now. It's like, you know, the demographic of hitting that... Um, <laughs> That's, isn't that, that crazy? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Because 30 years ago, we could have a Kenny Rogers come out. <laughs> he's, he's older than you are now. Uh -huh. Kenny Rogers comes out, and not only does he have a million number ones on an album, but each of those number ones then turn into a TV movie. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I think our, our days of seeing like the Kenny Rogers, the, the, uh, the Willie Nelsons, the, you know, the, the, the musicians who are playing their own instruments and are over... 30 years old, or it seems like it's over. It's these, it's, it, it, to me, it, it's depressing because you'd think that those were the better musicians. Those are the people who've lived with music the longest. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what... <laughs> it doesn't make you crazy when you hear like a 20-year-old auto-tuning himself onto the charts? Um, no, I, I don't care. You're so well balanced. I just... Uh... Damn you, I can't poke <laughs> any holes in you. <laughs> You're too, too well adjusted. <laughs> I like... I like um, I mean, I, I'd, I'd, I'd like to think, no matter what, if someone's if someone is attempting to make music, I like to support it mm -hmm. because at least they're they're trying. And so I feel there's really no there's, room there's for no everyone. there's no room for me to to disvalue what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so um, I just think being positive and supportive of everyone right. is good, unless they're singing about. Uh, <laughs> racist ideas yeah. or something I'm not going to jump jump on anybody and as much as you've done to counteract racism that's got to kill you when you hear something like this you know what I mean the, the n-word in rap music does that drive you crazy or is that something that doesn't even mean what it means anymore because it's been re-appropriated sure it's, it's hard to say you know I you got to look at you're looking at a, a different um, demographic or, or culture you know mm -hmm. culture speaking I'm not from uh, East LA, I didn't grow up in that scene, you know. So if NWA wants to use the N word, I feel they have every right to do. You know, what am I, what, are, what do I have to say, or mm -hmm. what are my ideas? How can I counterbalance what what they're saying? When you when you named your band the Chinkies, was that a purposeful reappropriation of the of the of the word chink? Or sure, sure. It was what, what it was meant to, to make you feel uncomfortable uh -huh. and just go, what's this all about? Did it, did it hurt angry. the band at all? Did you guys get anybody, you know, upset about that? We, you had we to. did. Our second album, we printed some labels of some some people writing letters, uh, kind of uh, contesting our goals, saying we're being counter counterproductive mm -hmm. by using that name. Did so. that hurt to to hear people not get it, or you knew that was going to happen? You, I mean, the head, um, you had to sure. Know I, I'm sure. I'm sure. I was. Uh, I, I'm sure I wasn't happy about it, but I think at the same time it's good to to um, stir up some kind of discussion about it, right? And that I think that's effective also to make people talk about it. If if they didn't, if it wasn't something that uh, brought out some kind of emotion in them to write me a letter, then 
there would be no conversation about racism. Right. The questions are always more valuable than the answers. Sure. So um, I, I think I think it was actually a, a good thing. Mm-hmm. You guys still think about make, making music together? Uh, I think it's going to be hard just because everyone is scattered all over the U.S. now mm-hmm. and married kids. And <laughs> we did do a reunion. EP. For the Asian Man Records. We had our 15-year anniversary in June of 2011. Uh-huh. We played a show. Oh wow! Slapstick got together and played a show. That's and, crazy. Um, we, yeah, it was it was crazy. It was um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It was five nights. That sounds more successful than the Feel by Ramen it's one ended up being. Eleven. That's a long reunion. Yeah, it was five nights, ten shows. Jesus. We had we did it at two clubs that were walking distance to each other, so people can go back. The festival. And forth. Yeah. It was literally and, a festival. And it was at my favorite venue in San Francisco called The Bottom of the Hill, yeah. and this other great dive bar called The Parkside. And um, both small venues, 300 capacity, and just wanted to keep it small. Wanted to do it at a place that I enjoyed going to myself. I kind of seems silly to be able to... It's like a to reunion. Do, it's a high yeah. school reunion. But, uh, but I also cool. didn't want to do it. Like I, I knew I could have probably done this at a, like a giant venue, like uh, the Warfield, like a 2000 seat venue, but... When have like, any of your bands played the Warfield while exactly. they're on your label? Like, except, that's except not what the your Alkaline label Trio. Is. Right. But the Alkaline Trio played the bottom of the hill. They did it for me. They played the small venue. And it was awesome. If, if you changed your approach, if you, if, you, if, you, if you weren't who you were, you'd, you'd probably go the way of a lot of these labels that are going away right now where the artists stop feeling a loyalty to them. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of the, I mean, we were talking before the recording of Lookout Records, you know, uh, ending... And it's, uh, I mean, how much of that had to do with the fact that the label owner was never, no longer a part of it, so the, so the, the artists that did feel a loyalty to him were never, did, still didn't feel a loyalty to it anymore. Um, and a lot of these small labels are dying, but you've managed to keep a culture around your label that instills loyalty, instills that kind of, hey, guys, I did this just to see you succeed as my friends. Right. So 15 years later, when you ask them, after they're selling hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of records, they have no hesitance to come back and help you out again. Yeah, is that, that, is that, that part of surviving as a label to, in, in this day and age when it is... Well, I, I think sincerity goes a long way. I think you can read into bullshit. So uh, when, when I've been able to retain these friendships with these bands for 15 years, um, I think that goes really deep mm-hmm. into, into measuring success. Um, yeah, watching um, all these great labels that um, that have been kind of dying off from Lookout to like Jade Tree. I think labels still going, but they're not really actively putting out stuff. Right. You know, these are these are two of my favorite record labels, um, especially Lookout. It's like, I, I know. how <laughs> how did they fall? And we were talking it, about Mr. T Experience being my favorite band, but I mean, this band that launched. Green Day, right. those first two Green Day albums, when they stopped being able to pay the royalties on those Green Day albums, unbelievable. You know, and they had Operation Ivy. They had three gold records, mm-hmm. three gold records, and an independent label. I can't even imagine. Right. And you're talking millions of dollars coming through, and that's just. I mean, they had it all. They had Screeching Weasel. They had the Queers, uh, Tilt, Avail, Mr. T Experience, Pansy Division. Um, I'm sure I'm missing tons. Blacks, filth, monsula, <laughs> uh, 
nuisance. These great punk bands and just like just a history book of Bay Area punk in mm-hmm. the in the late eighties, early nineties. It's unbelievable. It's gone. <laughs> Is some of that just becoming too big too fast? I overspending? I, think, I don't know. I, I mean, have, have you consciously on... have you consciously tried not you know because because oh you, yeah yeah you, I mean you, you well, consciously my tried end, not to get big and, oh yeah on my end I actually felt um, I felt a change in the music industry early on and I started cut, I was always frugal from the start but I started cutting everything cutting all costs early on and I was be able I was able to survive that that hit and now we've just completely um, gone a new direction on how we put out records. It's you just don't sell physical records like you used to. Mm-hmm. Um, vinyl sales are up, but the costs are way higher than CDs, so your profit margin is less. So you just got to be careful. Mm-hmm. Everything is, everything is cautious now. And honestly. how's piracy working for or against you? Well, you know what I mean. I always thought you know I thought at the beginning I was like you know how could it hurt because the the argument that going back to when I was a kid and uh, like burning tapes. Mm-hmm. duplicating cassette tapes off of vinyl and sharing it with your friends. It was kind of the same idea, but numbers don't lie. I mean, <laughs> the music industry is topsy-turvy right now. Everything is everything is underwater. The people have laid off more than 50% of their uh, staffs, and it's just changed. Mm-hmm. And, and that goes from the, the biggest of labels to the smallest of labels. Our, our numbers are maybe a fifth of what it was 10 years wow. ago. So. Remember Julie, who used to work for you? Oh, of course. Do you still talk to Julie? I, I officiated her wedding. Yeah, you yeah. did you become a minister to officiate her wedding? I became uh, a reverend to officiate Matt Skiba's wedding. Uh-huh. That's uh, how it started. And then you did Julie's wedding. Because Julie, Julie was dating Mike, who helped us out on the radio show in Philly. And I remember she flew out to spend a weekend with Mike, and that's how I met Julie. And then finding out that she interned or helped you out at the yeah, same time. Yeah, we were roommates too. The whole the whole world just seems smaller. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's, that's and how it is. And she lives in Chicago now? She lives in Minneapolis. Minneapolis. She, has, she just had I twins. knew it was somewhere cold. <laughs> yeah, she had t- kids. I mean, it's crazy how Facebook is keeping people in touch. I haven't seen Julie in 14 years? Oh, wow. Thir- 13 years? And now you guys are back in touch? Well, I mean, you can always, you can always see a picture of someone. Yeah. And they've got twins, and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Julia lives somewhere very close, uh-huh. or very cold, and she has twins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but I always remember that, that she was, I guess, your roommate and, and helped you out with the label. Yeah. She was, she was our web guru. She still is, even when we need help. Well, we, we, don't, we can't figure something out. Mm-hmm. I ask her. <laughs> That's she crazy, She still right? always helps out. Ten years later. For free. That's insane. Um, so... The album is called Smile, Uh and you have a couple albums out. You've got four full lengths, right? Got, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I have uh, solo records. I have two solo records, Mm -hmm. and I have uh, the one children's album and then a slew of ska ska releases (laughs) through Skank and Pickle. Would you ever do ska again? Oh, yeah, definitely. You'd love it. I love ska. You ever want to plug in again? Uh, I do. I would (laughs) like to play ska. Uh-huh. To be honest, I'm trying to f- figure out how could I. It would be a fun thing to do, especially with kids now, to be able to play like, um, you know, maybe like a festival show early and just having the kids be able to come out and dance and have well, a I mean, good time. The Bruce Lee band, had, you know, you had you had backups from uh-huh. from uh, RX Bandits uh-huh. and Lesson Jake. Why not ask these these uh, these kids you got playing music again, Five Iron Frenzy, to back you up <laughs> for another album? 
They live so far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do something. I've, I've been writing a lot of ska stuff, so uh, I'll definitely do something. And um, we'll see. See if I can, I can get it together and maybe play some shows in L.A. <laughs> and then you can come out. <laughs> um, so the album's called Smile. Do you have another song to play for us? One last song? Uh, yeah, let me think. What's, what would be a good song? Um, it, it doesn't need to be off Smile, whatever okay. you want to play. Okay, let me play. I'm going to play, um, let me play a, a new ska song that I've written. All right. Let's see if I can pull this off. These are the days we all want shown Now telling the right from the wrong Branding the concept is what people do So please help us move along Violence and power keep moving us down This ladder of misery People keep talking the good fight indeed Instead we are troubled and bound Now tell me everything will be alright my friend And everything will be alright And everything will be alright my friend And everything will be alright And everything will be alright my friend And everything will be alright now claim the prize, killing mercifully Where there's subversion and fear We count the days our loved ones are gone How will the body survive? Make good on some things you never regret Others can worry and fear I've got something special to share with you, friend My love is true and dear Now tell me everything will be alright, my friend Everything will be alright And everything will be alright, my friend And everything will be alright And everything will be alright, my friend And everything will be alright I missed one note there was... It was pretty good though <laughs> I think you did pretty It sounded great I was... there's, a... there's actually a guy still sleeping in the other room So I didn't want to belt it out too loud <laughs> I'm making excuses for my <laughs> dropping sucky, a clam here there. job. <laughs> no, it was awesome. Uh, guys, uh, where's the best place to find more information about you, the label, and everything going on? The World Wide Web. I mean, are you, you're active on Facebook and stuff. <laughs> yeah. We're on Facebook. We're on Facebook, it? Twitter. We look for Asian Man Records. Asian Man Records. We've got, we even got a Tumblr. Uh-huh. So we've got it all. We've you're joined on Twitter. This, we've joined the social media circus you love you love it or is it something that you begrudgingly have to do to keep a label at going first it was it was the latter but now you're I, I like it because it's free yeah you know it's free and that's the that's the history that i see that well not the, the future it's all social media it's like right and why if it's free advertising i'm all for it and if you build a label for people yeah why not connect with them exactly you know what i mean yes words with friends too it's <laughs> my big thing you've been playing that i'm gonna I'll play words with friends with anyone who buys our stuff. I've got a thousand games going. <laughs> uh, you guys heard it. Uh, play words with friends with Mike Park. Mike Asian Man. Yeah, my, is that your Twitter? That's my. That's my. That's my personal Twitter. Yeah, and, Mike um, Asian Man. But I rarely post on it. The Asian Man Records Twitter is more active, but my words with friends is Mike Asian Man, and I'll play anybody for money. <laughs> One dollar. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, uh, follow Mike online. Also on Facebook. You know, like that Asian Man Records page. You guys can find out whenever they're putting out new 
albums and whenever uh, Mike puts his ska band together, you can find out where they're playing. Come out to the West Coast, see them play. And of course, the album Smile came out last year, 2011. And if you guys got kids, I think that this is an automatic buy. If you don't have kids, I think it's an automatic listen and then probably an automatic buy after that point. So uh, go pick it up. I'm definitely going to look forward to downloading it. It's all available on iTunes, right, Mike? And there are links yes. through the Asian Man Records website. Yes. All that. So it's pretty easy to find. Of course, anything Mike throws out there, we're going to keep it updated on geekscape.net. That's our website. You can follow Mike on Twitter. Follow Asian Man Records on Twitter. I'm at Jonathan London on Twitter. And I want to say thanks for listening, guys. We've got more Geekscape coming up in the next couple of days. Uh, and if you need to shoot us any emails, just shoot one to me, Jonathan at Geekscape.net. Cool? Thanks for coming on, Mike. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Take care. Take care. <laughs>